Hey, everyone. Welcome to my so-called fabulous. I am Tiffany Blackman. Welcome, everyone. So here we go. Can we all just take a deep breath? Can we just breathe in and breathe out? Just take a deep breath, everyone. How are you doing? I mean, seriously, how are you doing? Are you managing your anxiety? A few weeks ago, I said, we're not going to panic. And I'm just seeing a little bit of panic. I'm actually seeing a lot of panic. And you know what? I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm panicking a little bit myself. But today, I want to talk to you about this entire um, COVID because it's here and it's real and it is what it is. And we are going to figure out ways to cope with it. And I hope I help you. What I have done is I have done an enormous amount of research. Now, I'm a research junkie. If if I need a part for X, Y, and Z, I'm going to research and research. So I've spent a lot of time with this. So I do want to clarify, I am not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I am Tiffany Blackman, and I am who I am. So this is research I'm done, and I'm not actually going to uh, to give credits to the each research because I've just melded in kind of my feelings and my family with this and my quarantine family. So, and there's three of us in the quarantine family. So, how are you doing? I want to hear how you're doing. So, Saturday, kind of funny. Um, Saturday, I put a, a story on my Instagram, and it was a very full, overflowing trash can in my kitchen with little puddles of trash next to it. And then um, I, I asked you, how are you dealing with quarantine and uh, the quarantine beast um, in your home? And then I sent another picture because I went to look for my husband, and he was outside on our loggia vacuuming and cleaning, even the even the fake plant in the corner, cobwebs, everything. So then I showed a picture of him and showing the good quarantine that we have too. So, you know, it's kind of balancing our quarantine family. And there's three of us, three and well, a three and a fur baby, but Greg, my husband, which is newly retired and Kennedy, 21, almost in two weeks. And uh, she's home. She is at TCU just down the street, but she's home. And so, you know, we're trying to figure it all out. Gosh, I don't even know what week we are in right now. Trust me. We came home from spring break the week of the 13th and um, school, TCU school had an extended spring break. And then she's, she's homeschooling, basically teaching herself online, my daughter. So how are you doing? Again, I want to know Exactly. I got a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback. It was pretty funny. Some of you said I'm purging on my husband's James Bond movies. Some of you say um, that I can count how many times my husband blinks, um, how many times my wife um, tells me to get my own food, blah, blah, blah. And many of you asked what color my favorite color was. Oh, my goodness. My favorite color is Tiffany blue, by the way, those of you. So anxiety is real. And and anxiety is contagious. And I'm looking at so many sources and the anxiety that I see is a lot from, you know, it's from the media. It's what I'm seeing on TV. And the anxiety that I get is, um, I'm going to take this back a few weeks ago. So I was, I was texting with a couple of people and, um, it was back when the city of Fort Worth and the city of Austin put the home shelter in place. So basically 
on this date, you are going to do this, where you are going to shut down the restaurants and you are going to, you know, self-quarantine and gave us the rules and there had an end date. All right. So then everybody goes to the website. I have about three people on my text in there. No, it's April 15th. No, it's April 30th. No, it's moved to May 15th. No, no, no. So the anxiety, and I'm texting this out to my producer. I'm texting out from my to my dad. I'm I'm I am doing this stream of anxiety, and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So my new rule of thumb is if it's not from a medical publication or a medical source, hence. CDC is, is a huge one. I'm really not taking to heart what I what I get unless it's from the medical community or our local government or our national government at all. So that's something that really, really helps. I use my sister as a resource. She's in the medical field, and um, I talked to her Friday, Saturday night, and she gives me what she's hearing. She says it changes every single day, what the CDC tells her and her team. And so that is where I'm getting my information. I am fortunately not getting it from an online news source that I'm not familiar with the news source because it creates a lot of a lot of stress and anxiety for me, especially because, you know, we all want an end date. We know exactly we want an end date. So, you know, anxiety being contagious with that social aspect you know, when I graduated TCU, I had a teaching degree, so I got a, a, a job in uh, school districts. So one piece of advice that I got from one of my, well, several of my colleagues actually was, do not hang out in the teacher's lounge. And I was like, but why? I'm sure it's fun, right? It's cool. Hang out, get to meet each other, you know, plan and do and do not hang out in the teacher's lounge. And I didn't. I would eat lunch in my room or I'd scoot away for lunch and come back. And one day I thought, you know what? I'm going to go in the teacher's lounge. Okay. You know what happened? I heard all kind of gossip, all kind of fun gossip and all about who was getting fired and who was who was doing this, that, and the other. And that very early on, I mean, guys, 21 years old, I was teaching high school. And um, that was my first, yes, I mean, it was negative energy, not always. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are there is a, a good, and I'm not trying to pinpoint, but I took that into the workforce when I changed my career, went into chef and to being a, you know a chef into the workforce in the corporate world, and it, and it held true. So that's really how a good way very early on that I help control my anxiety. You know, with family, same thing. The family, um, they kind of look to one family member. And in my quarantine family, they look to me. They, um, I do look to my husband. If he does give me information, he'll go, well, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, what's your news source, Greg? And he'll tell me, and I'm like, don't want to hear it. So, <laughs> and it's pretty funny, but um, we all, you know, we all are coping this differently. But my family looks to me to set the tone, and I do. And, um, you know, it, it brings me to anxiety. My daughter has anxiety, and she shared with me that I can certainly share. She's an open book. She is um, basically diagnosed anxiety, anxiety behavioral disorder. Um, that's what it's called. Can you tell? I did my research. Winky, winky. Um, so she is medicated. She does take a medication for this. Um, I am an over-functioning 
I, I that's my type of anxiety, over-functioning. So what does that mean? There's over and under, and I'm going to blame the birth order for this. Now, I'm the oldest of three. We're about six years, years apart, each of us. And the over-functioning, now, those of you listening, you can identify yourself very, very quickly. Um, if you're over-functioning, you're a problem solver. When there's anxiety, you make a list. You solve that list. You 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 assign it to people that you know will get it done. You get blank done, all right? You are just go, go, go. Let's see if we got a problem. Let's get a solution. Okay, so that is the over-functioning anxiety person, okay? Then we have the under-functioning. The under-functioning, now, not that there's anything there is good and bad with both, but under-functioning is not me. It's not me, not me, not me. The under-functioning is, is, is most of the time the baby in the family, and they're the ones that are followers. They're not the leaders. They're the followers. They're the ones that are going, they're going to be okay because big sis or big brother is going to get this done, right? They listen and follow, all right? So both types can be medicated for sure. And sometimes can can't can or cannot does not matter on medication. But this is basically, and it's also I feel it's the personality, definitely personality. I didn't realize I was labeled as an overfunctioning person, but I very much am. So this overfunctioning person goes into my life, my life with my quarantine family, my life of I get up every day, I work out, I will get up very very early workout, got a list. What are we having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Because my husband, I adore my husband, and we have a great trade-off. He takes very good care of me, and I take care of him. Three meals a day on the on the table, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, dinner, lunch, he's kind of He's kind of straying on me a little bit, and he's loving to go into the curbside. But I'm keeping back. We have enough groceries for a few years. But um, this over-functioning takes over in our household, and it's really, really interesting. Um, my daughter, I would say, is a very over-functioning person, too. She has anxiety diagnosed, like I said, anxiety diagnosed, takes medication, but she kicks it in. She kicks it in very, very quickly, and I'm so proud of her for that. However, it is not the most fun to be an over-functioning. Now, I'm going to pull in my producer here because, Paul, you are an over-functioning person. Am I right? Yes, he is. And would you say that this is a gift or a fatal flaw? I believe it's a gift and a curse. Yes, it is. <laughs> Honestly, just because, but no, you're 100% right. When it comes to any kind of stress, anxiety, I am, I'm, my whole brain is overworking, trying to find solutions, trying to get things done. Because if you sit in that, ang that anxious or that depressed, or I would say situational depression, of course, because Clinical is completely different, Certainly. as you know. But the the situational depression and anxiety, if I don't figure out a way to get out of that, mm -hmm. then I'll stay. And I know that. So it is absolutely a gift and a curse. It is. A hundred percent. Because then I overwork myself. So question for you. So um, are you, with Kate, your significant other in yes. your home, your quarantine home, is Kate over or under-functioning? Um, I wouldn't say, well, she's in a weird situation because she's a teacher. So uh -huh. it's kind of a little different because she's still getting a paycheck. Every, nothing has changed for her. 
except the fact that she is just not going to the physical schoolhouse. Sure. So everything is pretty much the, the same in her situation. Mm-hmm. But we do have disagreements a lot where she will she will have an issue mm-hmm. or a problem and I'm solving it. Right. And I'm like, well, do this, this, and this. Well, I didn't ask for your opinion. I okay. just wanted to tell you about it. That's right. You know, but I'm like, but that's where my mind goes. To fix it. It's like, well, there's an easy fix if you do this and this. Right. Right. And then so it causes a little turmoil between mm-hmm. us just because sometimes she's like, I just need to vent sometimes. Sure. And, he, and I'm like, I get that. But if it's just such an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Yes, just, it just, is. Just, just do it. And you know what? Greg is like that, too. If I... if um. Oh gosh, I can't. I, know, I have a song in my head. If you got a problem, I'll solve it. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. It always goes to a song when I'm talking to you. So Greg, same thing. He he wants to go in and fix it, you know. But I honest, honestly think he is he is an underfunctioning. He is the baby of the of the family. But in essence, they do. He and Kennedy do turn to me to make the list and get things done. You know what I'm saying? So it's interesting, very interesting. So under and oving. But, you know, when in my quarantine family, when they look to me to set the tone, I kind of fail sometimes. I mean, I fail a lot. And it's hard because when you are a couple other things that I've told you all before is I have a little OCD and um, I'm going to call this perfectionism disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, just just a little bit of OCD. But um this re- I want to be pe- perfect, and I can't wait to tell you about my Easter here in a minute, but not perfect. But, um, you know, I often fail, and, and it doesn't feel good. I mean, um, it may be tiny failures, like I forgot to order um, poopy bags for Lala, and Greg comes in, and he's like, uh, where's the poopy bag? Oh, gosh, I forgot to tell you were out. That's something I could have taken off my plate. Um, or big things. I mean, big things. Like Greg says to me this week, hey, we're set on TCU football tickets. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, you know, I just have to re- realize, you know, you can hop off your, your you can you can scoot your crown around, or at least your family will knock your crown out for sure. But that over and under functioning, we're going to keep talking about that. But, you know, we're in that time of not knowing. We're just not knowing. Um, if you, if we knew, you know what, right now, if they said, they, whoever they may be, um, said June 1st, that's it, Tiffy, June 1st, everything is going back to the way you saw it. I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. Uh, I'm no problem. But it's that unknown. You know what? We have all gone through crisis in our life. We have gone through crisis. We've gone through death. We've gone through um, broken marriages, relationships, hurricanes, Floods, fires, tornadoes. We've gone through all of these crises before. And you know what? The difference between the crisis of that and this crisis is because that crisis, we got out of it. We pulled together as a nation or world or community or whatever the case may, or a family, and we got out of that crisis. This one, we don't know how the hell to get out of this crisis. We don't know. We're just going, I mean, what are you doing? Are you wearing a mask? Are you washing your hands? Are you, hey, wait. Well, I heard that, see, here I go back in the media. I heard, everyone, that there was this big party out in California and 400 people, blah, blah, blah. I heard that. I don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, it's it's that we don't know what's going on. Not sure. I say I know what's going on in my house for sure. So that not knowing, you know, we have to remember to be calm again reassure each other, um, reassure each other 
Um, I talk to Paul on the phone. I text with him, my producer, a lot. And reassuring each other, it's going to be okay. Reassuring my father that's in his 70s, it's going to be okay. Sometimes we have to just step back, just step back and go, okay, all right, let me look at this. Let me look at my behavior yesterday and how, what made me have a freak out moment? What was it? Um, But to step back and take a look, to be Lex reactionary, I guess, to things that we hear, things that we do, things that other people do. You know what? I've always, I, I, I've um, had a count to 10. When Kennedy was little, I'd go five. I'd back, I'd back it up and, you know, count backward. And by the time I got to three, she was behaving. Um, but I count to 10 now. now. Now, sometimes it's one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It goes much quicker these days because ah, anxiety. But, you know, I have always had, I always, in my early career, because I did this one time, I have the 24-hour rule. So the 24-hour rule is this, and, and, and I'm sure you all have this. So, okay, let's um, say I had a disagreement with a work clock colleague, and um, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, everyone's off at 5, I am so mad, and so what do I do? I sit down and write an email. Yeah, that's smart. Okay, so I write an email, and I've learned from this because I write my email, but I do not send it for 24 hours. I don't because I'm very emotional, very uh, charged, uh, electrically charged, because it's in the moment, and I haven't taken the time. And you know what? I will write the email. Very important to write your feelings down. And um, the next morning, I will get up and read the email, and I'll just roll my eyes going, are you joking? Why in the world would you even write that? Oh, and P.S., everyone, don't, if I say, you know, in the email when you type two, don't put their name there, okay? It can accidentally send. You know what I'm saying? So um, I look at the email, and I reevaluate, but you write the email, because you want to definitely remember that you have valid feelings. You had valid emotions and you had valid points, but you kind of have to recraft it. And in 24 hours or 12, you know, sleep on it, um, things are different. So that's the calm that I'm that I'm having to deal with these days, too. You know, starting a new business, um, I, I've talked about this, people, new entrepreneurs, starting a new business during this time is tough. It is tough because... We're not calm. We are very reactionary. Um, But we are trying to work together as a community to reassure each other. You know, and and like anxiety, calm can be contagious. Calm can be very contagious. And, you know, back to being my over-functioning self, when I get up in the morning and I work out very, very early, early morning person, then I like to have a little bit of of time by myself. And if I... Am cheery and happy and um, oh gosh, the the tiffy everyone wants me to be. My daughter and husband will walk walk in and they will mirror my feelings. And most of the time, I'd say ninety percent of the time, they mirror that. But if I am a total B and I am misbehaving emotionally, they they certainly take on that energy from me. And you know, I. It's just, it's it's human nature, but it happens. Um, I'll be sp- perfectly happy. Greg will come in and, and 
shoot something off at me. I yeah, blah, blah, blah. And it'll change my mood and my reaction. Now, I want you to remember, um, my husband and I have been commuter marriage for almost eight years, seven, eight, half years. And we've been together for 10, 11 years, a commuter marriage, 100%. We are together people 24-7 now, okay? 24-7. Woo! Let me tell you what, that is something else. And I, I, I say, I will go I will go to my husband and family this evening after doing the research for this podcast and have a very candid conversation with them because, you know what, Greg is driving me crazy, guys. He's driving me crazy. I mean, but you know what? I'm driving him crazy too. Yeah, you know, it works both ways. So I have to remember that and just remember that step back and take a look. You know, I'm not perfect at all. Oh my goodness, I bet I'd drive him crazy. Now I sit about and talk about him drive him crazy. Anyway, so no, it, not at all. I would never do that. But being a commuter marriage, he's used to traveling to Austin and we're together three or so. So every time we see each other, it's just, you know, it's a honeymoon again and everything's, you know, Shangri-La, but we're together all the time. And, you know, now we're watching TV together. Good grief. I mean, I never thought I would do that again. <laughs> so yeah, we started watching a TV show together. So um, so anyway, you know what? In this whole thing, this whole, uh, you know what, what I'm this, I, I'm sure you've all heard this. Are you creating your new normal? I am so tired of hearing my new normal. I don't like it, but it is what it is, right? Um, not really crazy about that term is, but you know what? Creating the new normal. So what does that look like in your life? Um, are you being kind to each other? You know, are you may need to have that conversation that I'm going to have with Greg this evening. But are you being kind to each other? But you know what? I guess accepting that new normal, more than anything, what I'm having the hard time with right now is I'm grieving the loss of my old normal, that old you know, Monday nights, I go to Pacific Table. Um, I go and have lunch with my colleagues. Um, I run down to the drive bar. I go to the grocery store and chat with everyone in there. Um, I touch, I feel, I don't wear a mask. That's the old normal. You know, how are we going to change? What's going, what is this going to do to change this? What, I mean, can you even imagine the change? I mean, I'm going to ask Paul here in a minute. If, how are we moving forward with our lives? Let's say, hypothetically, guys, this is not a fact, but let's say June 1st, it's on. It is on. What do you see changing, Paul? Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. You know, I, I think about, I kind of, I'm, I'm not the most, I'm kind of a pessimist, honestly. I are kind you? Of, uh, I mean, when it comes to, I always expect the worst. Just, just, it's what I've been, it's kind of what I've taught myself to do. So I don't mm -hmm. get let down a lot. So I think about places that are based around closeness of people, you know, like movie theaters, mm -hmm. like, will they ever come back? Like you, you, you think about things like that. It's like, when you think about a movie theater, what do you think about? It's kind of dirty. You know, I mean, honestly, you even even the nicest ones have food spilled and they have to go in and clean them after every single movie. And do they really do that? And you think about it and it's like movie theaters were hanging on by a thread anyways. 
Okay, you yeah, because of like, our world. Right. You know, you've got on-demand video and you've got things at home and you've got this and that. And you're like, well, will I ever be able to go to a movie theater again? You know, mm-hmm. you I, those are some of the things that I think about and some of the, you know, I, I feel that, I mean, from this point forward, the whole world will never be the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just really won't. But what I've had to kind of force myself in on that uh, overacting that you were talking about on the anxiety side, mm-hmm. I am forcing myself to learn new skills. That way, when the world does change, I'm able to fit in and I'm able to evolve adapt. Mm-hmm. and adapt because that's what I, that's what I see a lot of people freaking out about. Mm-hmm. I see people freaking out about like, what am I going to do when this comes back? You can sit there and think about it. My dad used to tell me this. He used to go, like I would say that, you, you can think about that in one hand and go to the bathroom in the other. See which one fills up faster. <laughs> That's faster. Right. Correct. <laughs> right. Grand, grand assessment. Yes. E- exactly. So whenever I think about things like that, I have to get my mind ready to adapt to whatever change will come. Mm-hmm. And if, especially if you're in a business or if you're in a position, start thinking about things you know, think about how the world could possibly go and then evolve and adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Don't don't wait Mm-mm. until that happens. No. Because that's when people become more and more behind. Right. So I don't know what's going to change, but I know that what has to change is me. Mm-hmm. Because if I think about what the world is going to do, then mm-hmm. that doesn't give me a basis on what I need to do to change. Yeah. You know what, Paul? So I think about this and I'm, I'm glad we don't, we brought this up because, um, food for thought, 9-11 happened. So in 9-11, um, I was traveling an enormous amount with my career. I was going all over the U S teaching cooking and seminar and just all over everywhere. And I remember as a chef bringing on my knives, like I had a roll of knives and there was probably 20 knives from paring knives to scissors to butcher knives. I mean, I mean, you name it, there was massive knives in there. Okay. All right. So me, little Tiffy, 5.5. Okay. I would just go on and they would just go through security. You go walk right up to the gate. You would go with me if you were, you were my significant other. Um, there's, there was no security. I mean, you just had the security. I mean, so I remember one time um, they opened my knives and they're like, wait, this blade is over five inches. You can't have that. And I'm like, they're all, the majority of them are, I mean, you know, 75% of them, they're like, you'll be fine. Go ahead. Okay. So not that I needed to take my knives on, you know, the on, you know, carry on with me, but how 9-11 changed the world so quickly, so drastically. Now, did we need systems in place? You bet you. We needed systems in place. And, you know, who know, I'm not going to get into that, but it, we, we just, I mean, we were perfect target, but because we didn't have the systems in place. But I think about the knives. Of, I, I remember that and the hairspray, that I'd have a big can of hairspray, you know, with me. So how the world so quickly changed with 9-11, right? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, everything changed. Ever since 9-11, you know, meeting your family at the gate mm-hmm. will never happen again. Right. I mean, things like that. So whenever you think about, you know, when you base things on historical data or data, you know, you, you, you think about what all changed. I mean, I'm still learning things that changed from 9-11. I mm-hmm. mean, like, I'll do something. I'm like, really? that's, that's a thing you can't do? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, they came out right. I'm like, wow, uh, right. I, I didn't realize that. Right, right. You know, so it's going to be that probably times 10. 
Yes. I mean, honestly, because oh, that was one instance. This is something that's worldwide, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane to think about, but if you allow yourself to get down in the doldrums mm-hmm. or the negative side of this, then you'll stay there. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and a lot of people are feeling very anxious and depressed right now. Mm-hmm. And that is so understandable and it is okay. Yes, it is. Okay. But know that unless you've been diagnosed it's situational depression and situational anxiety and situational sadness because of things that are going on which are natural. Right. This is so natural and it's, and it's okay to not be okay right now. Mm-hmm. But in order to be okay when this is all said and done, and I'll, I'll harp on this and push this to the day I go away, is that you have to prepare. You have to learn how to adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you and I have talked about what I'm doing with my business sure. and what I'm doing in my personal life. And I have to do those things because just sitting right. is the worst thing I could ever do. Yes, no. And I feel sit. that people succumb to that kind of that, that, that hermit that feel. behavior. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that behavior. And then it brings the mood down. It's kind of like, have you ever laid in bed, right? You've laid in bed maybe all day one time and you just kind of felt like sick. Ugh. Like you've, you've, you've felt do that. Yeah. like you just felt under the weather. You're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just not feeling good. But whenever you get up and take a shower, mm-hmm. you're fine. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. Uh-huh. It was just because I was laying in bed and my mind was overworking. Mm-hmm. So I was exhausted. Right. You know, so a lot of these things, it's, you're absolutely right. Things will change. Mm-hmm. And this will be a pivotal point in everyone living right now's life. Right. And the way that either you take that pivot and you succeed or take that pivot and allow it to ruin you mm-hmm. is how we need to look at things. Absolutely. And lift up your people. Oh, yeah. Everyone around you is struggling, mm-hmm. whether you are on the highest scale of the money or mm-hmm. the lowest scale of the money or business or not working, right. whatever it may be, look around you and I'll promise you that just the support and compassion and empathy to others is incredible and people will feed off that. Oh. And that's what we need to bring together to make this right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, because this is not forever. When will it end? Not sure. But this is not for forever. Absolutely. And you know, you have to give yourself the permission to feel and give your children the permission to feel and to ask questions and ask anything. I mean, the kids, the kids, um, I mean, I, I have a 21-year-old. I don't have small children at home. You do. Well, not small children, but you have... you have a teenager how is how many questions does he present to you you know um i'm actually gonna shoot a little interview with him uh i'm gonna shoot a little interview and just get his inside opinion on all of this because i haven't seen a lot of kids talk about this mm-hmm. uh and i would like to know what he thinks but whenever we talk about it you know i, I had a very um serious talk with him the other day i mm-hmm. guess a couple yeah. weeks ago whenever it just first started right going on if, yeah we talked about ago. that in the interview and, and i said listen son and he's 13 mm-hmm. so i believe that if you give your kiddos the like the misdirection of sunshine and rainbows then they won't be prepared sure. for things mm-hmm. and i don't believe in that i'm a very honest father you right. know so i looked at him and i said you know son this is something that we never thought would happen but we need to be prepared for the worst in a situation like this. You know, there may be times where we'll have to do this and do that. And you'll have to step up and help me in areas. And he's been very understanding. He doesn't, you know, he's he's not really liking the school thing. He loves to be at school. Right. You know, and a social. lot of kids do. Yeah, he sure. likes to be social and things like that. But, you know, he's taking it very well because I'm allowing him to feel. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's such an issue with parents, significant others, people, is that they don't think that people should feel or themselves, you know? It's like, well, I shouldn't feel sad, so I'm going to pretend I'm not. Does no. that make you not sad? No. No, it just hides the fact that sure. you're sad. Now, telling yourself that, okay, don't worry, be happy. Right. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But to say that I'm not sad when I am sad, Mm -hmm. you're lying to yourself. And I'm sorry, but it's hard for me to believe my own lie because I'm lying to myself in here. Sure. You know, in my head. You know, and it's true. It's it's the kids. You have to show your children that you are real. I mean, that, okay, you're right. It's not all sunshine and rosing. You know, this is our family plan, just like you did with your son. This is our family plan. You know, you don't like it? Let us know. You know, you, you really do need to have the, let the entire family have input and ask them how they're feeling, just like you're asking your son how you're feeling. I mean, I have Kennedy how she feels. And my husband, I worry constantly. My husband reads the Wall Street Journal, and he um, is watching Bloomberg constantly. And I have to check in with him as well. I mean, how do you really feel? You know, and you, you moms and dads that have little kids— I mean, why can't we go to the birthday party? Why aren't we having spring break? Why can't we do this? I mean, you have to be real with them, um, in my opinion. I mean, you can't, it can't, it can't be sunshine and roses. Oh. No, it, it can't. And, you know, to, to touch on that, you know, not only the, the, the kids, but like my mom, she's single, right? And she's yesterday marked 29 days alone. Wow. You know, and that can seriously take a toll on somebody when there's not a significant other or when there's not someone in the house and I can't go over there because what happens if I'm asymptomatic Sure, and she's in her 60s? Right. And then all of a sudden I put her in jeopardy like I wanted to get her an Easter basket. Sure. You know, with some cool stuff, but there's no way for me to effectively disinfect everything to 100% know that she won't catch it somehow. Oh, exactly. You know, so I have to be like, I'm sorry, mom. I love you. She actually came over to our house yesterday from her car, dropped off some Easter baskets, stayed in her car with the window down. We were like 15 feet away. She just wanted to get kind of close to us. Of course. And it's those people too, you know, anybody, I mean, reach out to your parents as well. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody that has, you know, my father's no longer with us, but my, my, my mom is, you know, and think about the older people as well, because sometimes the interaction with their kids Mm -hmm. are their social life. Oh gosh. Right. right. You know, I mean, because a lot of them aren't out there, you know, tripping the light fantastic, you Mm -hmm. know, just doing things all the time, but their children and their grandchildren, like my mom misses my son horribly. Oh my goodness. Of course. And that's like her other kid. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm pretty sure she loves him more than she loves me. I'm sure she (laughs) does. There's something to say about that. (laughs) Right. But you have to check on those people too, you Mm -hmm. know, and I do my best to call her and talk to her and see if she's okay and realize, like the other day she saw me on FaceTime and started crying. Right. Because she's just like, I just miss you guys so much. That human connection. Yeah. A a human connection is so needed. That's right. In this time. And if you can't do it, you know, FaceTime, Zoom, do all these things because, I mean, I FaceTime my buddies because I miss them. Sure, sure. You know, so we have to do that kind of thing. Well, you know, so we we were, uh, we talk about this, 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 how do we social distance and stay sane, all of us, because we are social people. And um, um, I know certainly we are. And um, 
But then we were, I was thinking about this because my dad's pretty lonely and um, he does have a significant other and they are quarantining. So I talked to my sister and so we had a Tacker family Zoom on Saturday night. We all had our adult beverages, my brother, his significant other, my sister and her husband and son, and then my dad and his significant other, and then Greg and I and Kennedy. And we had it and it was a little bit of awkward, but my family are such talkers. Like they will come over and stay up all night long just visiting, like visiting and talking about this family and they're doing this now. And did you hear old man so-and-so did this? And so that was my family. So we did this um, Zoom, which I've done it you, we, we've all done it. If you're if you're in the business world at all, you've had Zoom meetings out the yin yang. Um, but it was interesting seeing my family because it was a little awkward in the beginning. So how are you doing? Fine. Hey, Dad, you doing okay? Yep. I mean, just he's usually the one that just goes, goes, goes. So he finally loosened up. We were on the Zoom for an hour, and it was great because we got. My dad got to see his kids Easter weekend. It wasn't the same at all. And I know he's going crazy because he is one that is out and about. If he goes to Walmart or HEB in their hometown, he's there a couple hours because he will sit and talk to everyone and have coffee and so on and so forth. But it is a time um, of... It is a time of how how do we do this? How do we social distance? How do we stay far apart and still connected? So technology is the key. Um, social media is the key, right? I mean, so, so much. Um, you know, we have to be, Paul hit on it. it we have to be patient e- e- with each other. We have to show empathy and we have to definitely show sympathy. We can all do that. We're sympathetic because we're all in our homes. And, and you know, I'm very blessed because... I cook and I I still have a career that's going and I'm keeping it going and I'm doing what Paul said. I am forecasting of how to, how COVID is going to change my industry and how I can I am an influencer and how can I use my platform to influence you and to help you, um, to help you with your world and to help you and that's and to guide you. That is my goal. That is my primary goal. So how can we use this and there be an absolute silver lining? So be patient with each other. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, we just need to not give up on each other. That's, I, I feel like or some people are giving up just a little, little bit. Or give up on yourself. Right? Don't don't do that because you know exactly what you just said. You know you're thinking about what you're gonna, what's gonna change after this. Now let's, you know, people are so like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do, and I'm like, just make a guess because no one does. Right. You know, make a guess about kind of where this could take you, and then what's the worst that can happen if it's not that bad. Right is all of a sudden now you're prepared to do something else. Right. You know, so it's it's the not doing something that's going to be detrimental to whatever you're in, yourself, your job, your family, your life, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Because as of right now, this is the normal. I know you don't like that, but it is. It is. Like this is the normal we have to deal with as of right now. Right. We can't be like, oh, well, when they, whenever we're out of this, we'll be fine. Yeah, that. yes, that's, that, that's great thinking. We will be fine. But- we will be fine. But we won't be fine as an individual if we don't do something. Mm -hmm. We have to do something towards being okay. We don't just all of a sudden, hey, I'm fine now. It doesn't work that way. Like you've got, it's like if you just sit in school and you're failing 
and you don't get any kind of help, <laughs> I'm you're fine. not right. You're not all of a sudden just going to be like, oh, I've got the grades now. Right. No, you have to get tutored. You have to study. You have to do something different. You know, the definition of insanity, which I believe we're all feeling right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, I told Kate the other day, um, and I was just, I knew this was quarantine talking. I was like, you know, when you kiss the dogs, it kind of upsets me. I don't like to hear on the dogs. Um, I don't like it. So if you're going to go kiss the dogs, go into the other room. Please go in the other room. Oh my gosh. Only Paul would say this. No. Yes, it's true. That's true. It's you the know, quarantine talking. I'm sorry. You know, um, with this too, it's so important that I feel like you've got to move. You have to move. We can go outside. We are still a lucky country that we don't have to stay unless we are high risk, of course. But we still can go on the trail. We can go outside, walk around the block, take your dogs and and are your animals and well, your dogs and walk around the block. And, you know, we're wearing our mask on the trail. Um, Greg's one of those like, no, 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 but we are doing this. We're, we're following the advice and um, you got to move. And, you know, another thing is nutrition. Um, Good grief. The things I'm seeing on social media and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hysterical. I mean, I think we're all going to be alcoholics after all this, but, but, um, you know, with nutrition, I really look forward to other than my, my previous life, you know, doing things much differently, but, um, I really do look forward to going back to my, I had very set regimented food plan, very set regimented, um, Yes. Did I have a cocktail at night? Yes. But, you know, I was very set on what I drank and what I ate because sugar, sugar feeds panic and sugar feeds anxiety. It is a scientific proven fact. So sugar is an alcohol. And then all of the things that we're eating that are not good for us. And, and trust me, I'm cooking and I'm cooking healthy. I really am. But you have to be careful about what you're putting in your body because that ain't it, Chief. Let me tell you, there is a lot of anxiety. And when alcohol and sugar goes in the body, it creates sometimes a different personality for some people. So you have to be extremely careful with your nutrition in your family. So so, um, so yesterday was Easter. I'm gonna, I was going to get here where I, I was going to go around the block and get to Easter. And, you know, Easter was very different for us. We, we typically celebrate with extended family. Uh, my sister said it well. She misses the the Fort Worth, the, the Wortham family, the Austin family. And uh, we have a la- very large gathering every year. So this year, obviously, that was not the case. We have a large gathering. Cooking-wise, I take care of it. And our daughter, Chelsea, has an egg hunt at her home, typically. Uh, again, didn't happen. But, you know, yesterday, I have to say a beautiful silver lining that came out of yesterday. So uh, my family, the three of us did menu planning, basically I did. And um, we decided to have Thanksgiving at at Easter. But I did a a roasted chicken with stuffed rosemary and garlic and onions and lemon, whole lemon. And then I added a nice crust to it and I did, I roasted that. I taught Kennedy how to make our childhood dressing, cornbread dressing. I taught her to make deviled eggs. She made all this and like grilled asparagus and made a salad. And then she did a beautiful, I taught her how to make a lemon beurre blanc sauce. It was so wonderful because she actually, it was just one-on-one 
in the kitchen. She learned the family recipes that I have never written down for some reason, but we're writing down now because I do have a blog. Um, but we we cooked this. So we started cooking. We have our, you know, five o'clock, we had the, the deviled eggs and I'm starting to roast the chicken. And, and I go into the kitchen and it looks like my kitchen's on fire. No kidding. I mean, smoke like crazy. You could hardly see in the kitchen. Now, I inherited two fabulous ovens with this home that we purchased recently. They're not so fabulous, but um, they there's something going on with them. So I panic. Then I look at the chicken, my beautiful chicken, y'all, a five to six pound beautiful bird. I'm just going, what do I do? So I went into overdrive. I reached, I turn on an, an, an electric roaster oven that I use as a backup. Turn it on. I reached to pull the pan out of the oven and it shattered in a million pieces. So what happened was my oven was set at 425 degrees to roast the chicken and it burst and it was oven proof, which is so crazy, which is another situation I'm going to have to deal with, but it's oven proof. So I moved the turkey to the roaster oven. I thought that was a fail. I had to shift gears, everything. So literally I, that perfection person went off the chart. I'm upset. Um, I want the perfect meal. I want the perfect Easter. And it just wasn't lining up like I wanted. Then to top it off, my, uh, my husband said, when's dinner, honey? Hmm. That didn't work out real well for him. So what I'm saying is um, we did regroup. We regrouped. We, the, the, the meal turned out, I mean, guys, I, I'm kind of glad it, I did that second roasting layer in a different oven, but not really, but it worked. But the moral of the story of my point is I learned very quickly. I, I did have, I had a fit. I had my meltdown, my first COVID meltdown. And, um, I very quickly apologized. It usually takes me a little time. So I apologized to my family and said, I was so sorry that I'm, you know, and the reason why I was feeling the way I is, because I am because I wanted it so perfect for my family. But like I said, the silver lining is my daughter is, has these home recipes, soul food recipes that we've had in our family. And she learned to cook yesterday, cooking them. It's turned out beautiful. Um, you know, that failure turned into a pretty good thing because it kind of gave me a different attitude of what really, really matters. And yesterday, the, the the education she had and the education I had certainly outweighed the, the I guess I'm going to call it the drama, my food drama day. So, you know, the changes in our life um, with the COVID, with our daughter about to be 21, and I was about to do a big old party. Let me tell you, it was going to be killer. And we're not having that. We're going to have a nice little um, gathering for three because I'm certain by April 29th, we'll still be hunkering down. You know, like I talked about with my commuter marriage and, you know, that's the changes for us. I'm a chef. I love to cook. I'm kind of getting over it right now, (laughs) but um, I love to dine out and support all my friends and I cannot wait to support again. And, you know, last week, You know, with all of this going on, guys, I'm just going to say this because I've shared so much with you before last Monday. So I'm, I'm right in smack dab in the middle of menopause, I thought. You know, when all these emotions are running high and I say, oh, I got this anxiety, I got it under control, I started my freaking period, started my freaking period on Monday. Okay, I'm 55. Now, I haven't had a period in two and a half years. What in the world is going on with my body? All right, so... 
I call my doctor. I'm informed my doctor is closing her doors, shutting her doors. Like for COVID? No, shutting for good. Okay, great. I have to find a new doctor. So the stress of this, do you really think people want new patients right now? Hmm, new menopausal women. But I found a great doctor and he explained exactly what I was going through with menopause. And we're going to have another menopause. But you know what? After with a woman that hasn't had a period and my daughter says to me, mom, welcome to the club. I'm like, sister, I started that flipping club. Okay. So don't tell me welcome to the club, but you know, it's, it's a lot of change in our life and a lot going on and we just have to take care of each other. You know, I think y'all need to take care of me too. Not Lee. I don't know what to say about that, but truly, um, so many changes in our household and I know you are too. And you mom and dads out there, you're heroes because you're homeschooling kids. And guess what? That might not have been your major or your calling. But you know the good news out of this? Don't you all think teachers are a little underpaid? Hmm. Don't you think that's uh, food for thought in the future? I bet so. And another thing is coming out of this. Those of you that are homeschooling that are actually enjoying it. Now, it's different teaching your children, of course. But I wonder if you may have a career change, may become an educator. You may be our great educators of the post-COVID. Hey, think about that. Food for thought on that for sure. You know, I don't know how to thank the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare providers, the first responders. I don't know how to thank you. I, I, I don't. I mean, I do shout outs on social media. You know, we give and we, you know, make meals and we do so much and so many people making masks, but I don't know how to thank you enough. I mean, you people are on the front line, giving your time, putting yourself at risk and your family at risk. I just, I can't, I can't do enough or say enough, but you know what? I was thinking about it before I walked, I, st- I was working on this today and um, you know how I can thank you? I can be compliant with what the CDC tells us to do, what our local and national government did, because we are just here to support you. And if we do what we're supposed to do, maybe this will end. That's our hope, right? Everyone, be kind with each other. Be patient with each other. Love one another. Be safe. And let me hear from you because I need to talk to you. Have a great day. Be safe. Be safe.